he didn't plan it, but one of the lines in that song is one of my favorite lines of any song we sing and really fits in well with what we're going to talk about this morning or one of the points I want to try to make, and that is no one's a stranger here. Everyone belongs. And if you don't take anything else away from what we talk about today, I hope you'll take that to heart. And we're going to talk about some things uh, we do a really good job on a lot of things, and I want to encourage more of that. And there's some of us that want to know what to do, and I want to encourage you to do things. And hopefully we're going to talk about how we can do that together. So if you feel like you're a stranger, that you don't belong, that you'll find out how you can feel like you belong. And not just so you can have a good feeling. Our ultimate goal is to please God. It's to build a, an environment and a place where we can serve God, we can be excited about serving God, and we can make a difference in the world that we live in. And that's the title of what we're going to talk about this morning. I've got two goals in my presentation this morning. One is, if you see me pointing at that back screen, give me an evil eye. <laughs> because the last time I preached, I pointed, and I don't want you to break your neck looking back there. I'm going to try and point up here when I point. And I'm going to try not to fidget. Those of you who watch me do this for a while know that I have a tendency to tippy-toe and mess with my keys. So I take my keys out of my pocket. I do everything I can to try and make that not happen. So I'm going to try and catch myself so as not to distract from trying to get the message across this morning. You've probably seen in the newspaper, you've heard advertised, and there are a lot of people that do things to make a difference. There's even, I see it advertised, Wayland does it. There's a Make a Difference Day where they actually plan activities and do things to help people. And that's all great. There are a lot of people, a lot of institutions, a lot of individuals that do a lot to make a difference in the world that we live in. What I want to do is look at it as an individual, as a Christian. We've got way more calling than any holiday or designated day to make a difference in the world that we live in. And as I said before, there are a lot of people doing a lot of great things to make a difference in your family, in the sphere of influence that you have, where you work, where you go to school. And I want to encourage that. And I'm going to do some things later, and I, I, I really debated to do it. I'm probably going to embarrass a few people. My goal is not going to ever be that. My goal, you'll see a little bit later, is to help us. The goal of the church is to build up the body. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But here's what was said about the early Christians. These who have turned the world upside down are come here too. And I just pointed up there at the back screen. <laughs> I get a picture in my mind of what it, it would look like. And what I have always got in my mind is a picture of, here's this protesting mob stirring up lots of trouble. And I think when we think about Maybe the scenario, that's kind of where we land. But that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. That's not what they were doing. They were not an angry mob stirring up the world, but they were turning the world upside down. Another reference to the idea of making a difference. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We're to make a difference in evangelism. It's really easy. It's, it's my natural tendency, and, and many people, our natural tendency is to not want to stick out. 
our natural tendency is to, you know, those people have a church, they've got something, I don't want to bother them, I'm embarrassed. We, we don't have, I don't know if the right word to say is we don't have that luxury, but if that's your natural personality, that's something we've got to work on. There's some people that don't have a, don't have a problem talking to other people about faith and about church. And my goal is, if that's a weakness of yours or something that's not a natural talent of yours, what do we do to work to get that better? What are some concrete things we can do to do that? Because making a difference in our service to people and what we do to help people is something we as Christians are required to do. It's not an option to say, I'm not good at that. And I find myself have done that a lot of times. It's not an option to say, oh, I just don't know what to do. It's not an option to say, well, my family never taught me how to do that. As Christians, we're commissioned, we're given the job to turn the world upside down. And we're going to talk about that some. We also are to turn the world upside down in evangelism. And it's not an option, just like it isn't with service. It's not an option to say, I'm not good at that, or I don't know what to do. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Because we, of all people, and we all know that. We all know it. We've got to be different, and we have lots of sermons about that. And I, I want to take those and add to those. I want to give you some practical things. And hopefully it's going to spur all of us in whatever way we can to make a difference. And I know we all can and we all will. I did this for my own. I have a tendency to run over, as, as y'all probably all know better than me. 24 slides is how many are up here. You see a slide number at the bottom? Number three. So when you see we're ma making progress or not, you'll know where we're at. There's not an outline as such to follow, but that help, that'll help you pace yourself so you can keep your attention geared up or... Or you can go deep down and figure out where you need to get a little more stamina to listen just for three more slides. Hopefully the content will be such that you're not having to worry about counting slides. But I, I'm, I like to know where I'm at and, and I'm sure most of the people in the audience do as well. Scripture we read a lot. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 8. And he's talking particularly to bond servants. But we're going to highlight some areas in there that have to do with the idea of service. And I'm going to read what's in yellow. You can see the, the preceding amount. But how, how are we to give service? In sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. I feel very fortunate to have grown up in a congregation and a family where service to other people was valued, and I was taught that. Uh, and, and maybe in the world, I grew up 25, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Maybe that happened in the community a lot. I remember a lot of people with different organizations doing things to help me or help other people that were in need, and I still see a lot of that going on, but it's, it's becoming rarer and rarer that we can imitate people that we see as role models in the community or role models at school and really learn to serve other people like we need to. What the Bible says, what the Christians were taught in the early church was we're, we're not really helping each other. It's great to help each other. It's great to help people in the community. What we're really doing is service 
to God. We're doing service for Christ. You know, you, we remember the parables that Jesus taught. When we do it to one of the least of these, his brethren, we're doing it to, to him. And we know that in our minds, but I'm, I'm just like you. I leave for work at 7.15 in the morning. I work hard all day, and I roll in at 6 o'clock at night, and I've got other things on my mind, and I've got things that I need to decompress and other things that call. And, and that things have changed. I'm not going after kids' activities anymore, but I've got other things that, that call and take my time. And what, what I think, we get this idea that, oh, when I get older, I'll have a lot more time. And what I found is, we schedule our time at whatever stage that we live in our life, and we do have different responsibilities. When we have little kids, they, they can't go make supper for themselves. <laughs> when we have certain obligations because we're in certain things, but I also know that when we retire, we don't just hang it up and we'll retire from life. So wherever you find yourself in life, remember service to others is service to God. And those are very tangible things you can put your hands on. It's not thinking, oh, well, I hope things have work out well for them. It's very tangible things that we do for people. The idea of goodwill. Sometimes, sometimes we all get in the spot where we do it because that's what we're supposed to do. We know it's what we're supposed to do, so we go help people. But the idea of goodwill, and we'll read a few more scriptures here in a few minutes is that the idea of service comes with the idea of that's what I want to do and I really like it. I don't do it grudgingly. I don't do it because, well, someday I'm going to need it, so I better help them. It really is a true love of people. And beyond that, a love for God. So with goodwill, we do our service, not towards men, but towards God. That's what our service is for and our ultimate reward may not be here. We may not get help when we need it. But what we know is that we'll receive that from God. That's the promise. The promise that, as I was listening to the radio this morning, sometimes the promise isn't at the end of the day or 30 minutes after we pray something. Sometimes it's like Abraham who was promised a child and it was 25 years later. Or it was Abraham promised the land and he didn't receive the promise nor did his child nor did his grandchild nor did his great-grandchild but the promise was still there and that's the, the the assurance we have from God that we will receive the same for what we do I'm going to talk about the idea of service and how we help each other those of you that are engineers or remember a physics class maybe in high school have heard something about a perpetual motion machine, and there's all sorts of them. Here's what kind of one looks like. You start it going, and people for ages have said, if I can get something going, can it just keep going forever? And so the motion somehow or another keeps it going. But you know what you find out? There's certain physics laws that says there's no such thing as a perpetual motion machine. It can't just keep going on its own because of friction, because of different physical laws. People have been searching for a perpetual motion machine for thousands of years and never found one. And sometimes we get in our mind that the church and our activities and the things that we do in service are a perpetual motion machine. That somehow it's all just going to keep happening. And probably like generations before me, generations before my father or your father, 
they thought, oh no, we've got to teach the next generation how to do some things or else things come undone. We've got a great thing going here. I don't think anybody, people that have come in in the last few years and started attending with us, people that have been here a lifetime, I think no one would argue that what we have going at this point in time is as good, if not better, than it's ever been. We've got people doing Bible studies. We've got, we've got people taking goods and food to those in funeral, but it's beyond these walls. It goes out to the community, and we have, have uh, clothing for newborn infants that don't have the ability to do that. We have blankets in uh, CPS where they can get them for kids that don't have them. And, and the danger, and I'll, I'll pre-apologize, I'm going to do a few more of those things later, is the danger is I can't name all those things. I don't even know what all those things are. I overlook them. And we've got a lot of that going on and a lot of people doing a lot of things that nobody even knows about. And sometimes the dilemma we get in with nobody even knows about it, a saying from my youth I remember over and over, it's been around for longer than I've been alive, but there's no telling or no limit to the amount of good that can be done if you don't care who gets the credit. And that's very, very true. But the flip side of that is if nobody or new people don't know what's getting done, here's what happens to people. That just magically happened. <laughs> and all this stuff just magically gets taken care of, and all of a sudden the one that was magically taking care of it is no longer able to do that. And guess what happens? doesn't get done. And so I'm going to do some things I'm not too comfortable with, nor are you, and, and that's I'm going to name some people, and I don't want to embarrass you, and I'm going to name some things because sometimes we need to know that. Those that are younger, those that haven't been trained themselves or been trained to do service for other people, here's my tendency. Here's our tendency. Boy, somebody needs to do that. <laughs> oh, the elders need to organize something for that. Oh, why isn't the church doing X, Y, Z? And, and sometimes that needs to happen, but what we're going to talk about mainly today is individual responsibility. What can I do to fulfill the example and the command to make a difference, to turn the world upside down? And we all can do it, every single one of us, young or old. If you're old enough to think and do, then you can do things in service to other people. And you can keep what's not a perpetual motion machine, but is, as we've had an example over the years, a well-oiled machine, we can keep that machine going because we're all doing our part. As it says in Ephesians 4 and 16, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I always define the word edify, and I say build up. Everybody knows that, and I make an example to a house and how you have to build it one piece at a time, and all these things go together, or the body, as this example does, how all the parts matter. But I found the definition a little bit further down in the Strong's Dictionary that I thought made a point that I wanted to make. And here's what it means when I edify somebody in love, or when you edify somebody in love. And what we're going to find on most of these things we do, it's not some guy standing up here in the pulpit doing it. That, it can be done there, but you think of the interactions and the, the conversations we have among each other and opportunities to interface with each other. 
one of the things that ensures you learn something or do something is time on task. There's a lot of time that we can spend with each other and do spend with each other outside of a service. And so the opportunities for edifying each other, because that's what we're told the body should do is edify itself, are, are almost limitless. I guess it's 168 hours in a week, so there is a limit. But there's a lot of opportunity that we can edify each other. And here was the definition, the act of one who promotes another's growth in a lot of ways. Christian wisdom, piety or, or religiousness, happiness, and holiness. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can edify each other. And there are a lot of people here, and I'm going to say every single one, young and old, that have talents and skills and abilities to be able to do that for each other a lot of times and a lot of places. And we do a lot of that. And I want to encourage you to do more. If you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to do it. Because that machine, just like the perpetual motion machine that has to have input to keep it rolling, so does the body. We have to edify ourselves. And that's the energy we put into it to keep a machine rolling. And in doing that, the good thing that we all like the good environment that we have, the good deeds that get done, that carries on. It's not just this group of people, but it's, you know, these go down all the way down to these three or four new births in the last few months and then the next eight that are coming in the next four or five months if everything's healthy. You know, it keeps going and it keeps going and it edifies itself in love. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We're all different. And this is nothing we don't know, but it's just good to be reminded and think, my talents aren't your talents, nor are yours mine or anybody else's in the room necessarily. We have commonalities, and we'll talk about that in a bit. It works good to do things together, but there are also individual talents that we have. And just because I can't do what somebody else can do doesn't mean I'm lesser, doesn't mean I'm not important, doesn't mean I'm not edifying the body, helping the body edify itself in love. Because everyone can, young or old, nobody is less important. And nobody is less influential. We're individually members of one another. We have common things, but responsibilities and, and pluses that we can all add. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I'm going to go through those. I missed one yellow on mercy, but I'm going to go through those highlighted words just a minute and think about what those are, the gifts that we all have that differ. But because we all tend to look at the things that we see and say, well, those are the gifts I want. I want to be a good song leader, or I want to be the one that hosts the shower, or I want to be the one that speaks. And those are some 
some of the things that need to be done, but what we'll find from our list is there are a lot more things than just that because we're here a few hours a week and we're out in life 160-something more hours a week. There's a lot of things that need to be done. Prophecy probably is what we think it is. It's a discourse, kind of like what we're doing this morning, declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving or admonishing the wicked, comforting the afflicted, or revealing things hidden. Kind of where I put that, uh, what I would typically think of as preaching. That's a, that's a gift, and some people can do it, some people can't. But there are others that are outside of here. Ministry. It's not a located ministry. It's not the minister word that people think about the noun that we've given it, but it's, it's a, an action. And here's what it means if you go back and look at the Strong's definition. Those who help meet needs by either collecting or distributing charities. The service of those who prepare, who prepare and present food. It's something that's done away from here. And it asks us to do those, to, to do what, whatever we do, do it well. Do it for the glory of God and for the help of other people. Teaching, we use the word teaching for what we do in the pulpit, but this teaching really is way beyond what we do here. I'd really consider it the teaching that's outside of these walls. And again, think about all the teaching that has to be done. Here's what it means. Generically talking with others in order to instruct them. I see Stanley looking up at me and he, he sells, he probably wouldn't consider himself a salesman, but he, he's a representative for a company who sells nutritional products. At least he was the last time I, I, I talked to him about it. And most of his job is teaching because when he goes into a place and he says, my product will make your cows produce this much more milk, he has to show them how. And they see the way that it makes it better. When I'm with my small children, I may instruct them and teach them how to read. That's the kind of thing it's talking about. And there are a lot of Christian principles that are outside of these walls and ways that we can teach and instruct people. And I'll say it's mainly activities other than the preaching that we sometimes lump it in with. And all of us have an ability or a skill to do that. may not be the same ability or skill, but we can help people see how to live. You know, older women teaching younger women. That used to be done all in families. But now we have many people that aren't part of a large extended family for multiple generations. How does a younger woman learn to love their husband the biblical way Here's what I find out is, okay, we've, we've, we got married 34 years ago nearly, and we knew what we knew, and we thought we knew it. And now I'm 34 years later, and I go, man, if I would have known what I know now, we learn it the hard way, right, by trial and error, and we know what not to do or what to do. Well, the idea of teaching is that we can help people not have to learn it the hard way, and they can take advantage of the experience that we may have or the knowledge that we may have from the Bible. Because biblical principles in marriage or in work ethic or in anything else don't just happen by magic. People just don't all of a sudden by osmosis pick up all that stuff. We have to teach them. And so we have skill, people with skills to do that and people that do that all the time. Exhortation. Well, a lot of times we say it's encouragement, but it's the strict definition is a calling near, building relationships if you want to think about that. There are some people that have the demeanor and the spirit and just seem like they can naturally do that. That people flock to them, that you see them talking to the people that look like they're downcast 
or having a hard time and it's not awkward to them for many of us it's like man how do I go say something to him it's going to be awkward if I go ask him this or that but developing and using the talent of encouragement and making people feel like you're drawing near to them is something to be developed and a lot of people do a great job building relationships because when the going gets tough we find out who our real friends are and that's the kind of friends and the kind of relationships we want to continue to build and to make even stronger when we give a lot of people are very very generous we need to give sincerely that means we're not giving for show and you're all going to love this you all need to be liberals <laughs> you know the definition we're used to and you get called a liberal and everybody's ready to come up punching right because <laughs> you've called me a dirty dog or something but the biblical principle of giving is to be a liberal and it's hard for us because we work hard to make a living and we work hard to save and get ourselves in a spot where we don't have to worry financially but we need to be able to give with a glad heart and freely more than people need and, and that's something we have a lot of great talent and a lot of people doing that to build the body and to make a difference in the world but we all need to look at ourselves and we all need to try to do better and help more if we lead and, and it's more than just a leadership of well they've got these people that are elders and these people are deacons all of us lead our families lead we can be leaders in our work environment leaders at school we need to understand the great responsibility and do it with zeal and care. That's the, the words that go with it. Understanding that we're given a responsibility, but also doing it with excitement and be glad to do it. Not as I'm the boss of you, or boy, can't you people see what to do and act right or do the right thing, but to lead in a way that promotes their growth in a, a way that, that uh, teaches them uh, the right principles with enjoyment and enthusiasm, attentiveness. When we show mercy or compassion, some people have a real talent for that, but as a group, we are very compassionate. We feel for each other. We hurt when each other hurts, and we do what we can to ease suffering and pain when we can. We need to do that gladly, and with cheerfulness is what the Bible tells us, and that's how we build up the body that's how the body edifies itself in love I don't know that I'm going to stretch this a little bit but I'm going to look at this this scripture a little differently than I always have Acts 2 44 and 45 the church had just been established all the Christians were throwing all their worldly goods together and living together in what we would probably call a compound or a commune they had all their food and money in common uh, not commanded to do that but I want to look at this idea of they had all things in common and how can we apply that to this day and age that we live in Acts 4 and 32 just a, a little bit later it talked about their unity how they all believed and at the end how they had all things in common there's something special in relationships about having things in common uh, I'll use a secular example when Casey was growing up she played a lot of basketball from the time she was second third grade up till she was in high school and there was a group of six or eight girls that were about the same age that did the same thing 
and we got fairly close to a lot of the parents because we traveled a lot, went and sat in the stands. You know how that goes. It's boring most of the time, a few exciting minutes, but we developed a relationship with them because we had in common that our daughters played basketball on the same team, and we did a lot of the same things. And so we, we had a relationship with them. Well, now, nine years later, she's not in high school anymore, doesn't play basketball. I might have seen one or two of those parents in Walmart or the grocery store, but I really don't have anything in common with anymore, so I don't have a relationship with them anymore. And that's just kind of how, it's not that I don't like them, not that we didn't have a good time, but we just don't have anything in common. The idea of having things in common is what makes relationships strong. And it doesn't have to be our food and our house and our clothing and all our bills in common. We have to have things in common. And sometimes that naturally happens. Our kids are the same age, so we ran around together a lot. Even though Lyle was 12 or 13 years older than me, and he was an old guy when I was a teenager at church when I was growing up, and we didn't have a lot in common, so we didn't run around together. But when our kids were the same age, we did. We have to work at having things in common. We don't need to be communists. That's not what I'm proposing, but we need to have things in common. And it takes all of us working get together to do that. And I'm going to use the... I'm going to give you a quick preview of the directory. And I'm going to apologize to a few people. You'll know who I need to apologize afterwards. It's not to embarrass. I, when I do this, it's never t for the shock factor. It's to prove the point of our directory is not a phone book. Only. You can look up phone numbers in it, but I want you to think about it in a, in a bigger context. You know, we can find out where people live if they need something. We can look up their phone number, but I want you to think about one step deeper, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example. My, my intention in giving an example is always that you'll take it and run with it because you'll think of something way better than I did. Learn people's names. I can't count the number of times I've had somebody that sits over on that corner and go, you know, and it's people. I thought, well, you've been here. You should know. Now, what are those people that sit over there in that corner's name? And I go, Wow. <laughs> And it's not a knock on they don't know each other, but it's like, what can we do and what can you do individually so that you know somebody's name? Because that's the first step in having something in common is to know your name. And there are other things to find in common. So there's an example page. It's going to look a little different. There's going to be a information we have with the picture. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't tell Tyson when he signed up to be a deacon, all of a sudden you're a... You're a punching bag. So not to embarrass you, I guess the rest of your family's not here. Most Some of them aren't, so maybe they won't be embarrassed. And here's what I mean by find things in common. Take some time and just look through. You know, at first glance, I'm 15 years old and Tyson, he was a little kid when I was old, so he didn't, we didn't have anything in common. Now, with his kids, how do I have something in common? They're not my children. They're not my children's age. Um, how, what are things you could look for? Well, here's a good example. Anniversary, 2nd of January. You know what I can do after church? Hey, happy anniversary to y'all last week. I missed it last week, 10 days ago, but happy anniversary. How many years is that? And I think the final copy will probably have the year, so you won't have to ask that. But, you know, it's a way to build a relationship. It's not about their anniversary date. It's not about a printed directory, but it's how can I have things in common so that we can edify 
and begin the idea of building relationships. Campbell, and I always have a good time with Campbell. She probably goes, man, I wish that old guy would quit teasing me or messing with me about that stuff. We share a birthday. And I always tease her, well, I guess you're still older than me because she was born at 10 in the morning and I was born at 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> and she probably rolls her eyes just like my daughter did. But, but it's crazy, but it's a way to build a relationship. And probably when she's old, she'll remember, oh, the, he used to do that to me. And I can remember things, you know, I can still remember getting a penny and then later it was a nickel from Brother Bickley for those of you who have been around for a long time. He was old when I was a kid, but he cleaned the building. He picked up the songbooks and he would give me a dime or a nickel if I'd go around and help put the songbooks back in the, in the holders after the church service. And, you know, little things like that that we can do. And so I'm not saying that's the only way, but it's a way to take the directory to another place. You know, do, are their kids the same age as mine? And do I need to work at getting their kids, my kids together with their kids so that we can start building the relationships that I don't have? I'm working on those, but my kids can have those as they go back and, and then they grow up. So just some ideas and some things to think about. Something we're used to, we're used to the director, but how do we use it in a way that's spiritual? That is not just this physical thing that helps us do a few tasks, but it helps us build up the body. It helps us make a difference. It helps us all be a part. It helps us further the, the cause of Christ in this room and outside the room. And I'm going to throw a few things up here, and that's the danger of doing this. In my tendency in the past is I don't say about anything we do because I'll leave somebody out, and that's not the intention. So I'm sorry if I leave it out. This isn't saying these are the only things to do or the great things to do. We hear all the bad things about Facebook, and there's plenty to be found. But do you know there's a Ladies of Northwest Church of Christ group on Facebook? And guess what they do? They see needs of this and here and that. They find out who's sick, maybe in this congregation or not, and take them food. They pray for them. They serve other needs. And if you're, I don't know if they'd kick you out if you were a man. <laughs> they might have, the, the moderator might go, man, you got a beard, you're out of here. But what they want is not an exclusive, they're not building an exclusive group of, boy, you're in our group. And what they're doing is building a way that anybody that wants to, can know the needs that need to be met, and they can go do it. Great thing. You know, it, it's not something the church organized. It's not something that got whatever. It's, it's people in the body with varying talents edifying the body in love. And that's the kind of things that we want, and the things we want to encourage, and the things that if you're not involved in those things, be involved in those, because that's what makes a difference. We know there have always been people that took food to sick people. Did you know there are people use mealtrain.com? <laughs> and it helps people take, because, you know, here's, what's a, here's what we don't want to have, a funeral or a sick person, someone that everybody knows, and guess what? They get enough food that they eat all they can eat. They fill up one freezer, they fill up another freezer, they fill up another. Pretty soon they have so much food they can't eat it all, and they feel bad. And guess what? Is also, sometimes there's people that don't know it's not very well publicized. And guess what? They don't get much of anything. And it's not intentional leaving somebody out. It's just the way it works. Well, this is a way to help organize it. How some of the ladies have figured out, well, it's not just I have to worry, well, they've got too much food or they don't have enough food. The need can be known 
and the need can be met. Just a way. The goal is not getting on mealtrain.com. The goal is edifying the body in love and serving those that need service. Santa Fe, you know, there's people that, that make that happen. Dee's done it for years and years. Doug Freeman's there every week. Guess what? He's giving sermons there. He's giving lessons there. Chelsea takes her little kids there. I mean, I, I didn't do it. I remember the stories Leslie told me when we had three kids about that age and going to the grocery, she dreaded going to the grocery store because it took a lot of work. And those of you who have been moms and done that know. But you know what? That's a great encouragement to the, the folks that live at Santa Fe. And think about what that does for the families and the small children that get to meet older people and the relationships they build and how that edifies the body in love and keeps this good thing going. You know that Lawrence visits sick people all the time? He was with Larry Hamby just the other day. Relationships he's had for 40 or 50 or 60 years. What that does to encourage people, not just those that are sick, but their families. And, and again, I didn't put them up, these names up to embarrass them or to set them up as uh, somebody special. There's a lot of you that do a lot of those things as well. What I want to do is let you know there are things like this happening, and, and you keep doing it if you're doing it. If you're not doing it, ask these people and get with these people and do it because it's not an option to make a difference. It may be something else that you're doing that's making a difference. All of that is good. All of it is good because it keeps the body edified. Evangelism. And so my two points weren't equally split in time, so don't worry. We're on slide 22. <laughs> Evangelism is something we think, well, that's the evangelist's job, or that's the elder's job, or that's somebody else's job that's really good at it. Sometimes having a room full of people, because if you come in, there have been a few times lately, I've, I've been here at spring break when a lot of people are traveling, and... There's nobody sitting. I'm sitting on row two, and there's nobody for three seats behind me. There's been times, but by and large, we walk in here, and it's a 75% or fuller building, kind of like it is now. This is probably a light Sunday, if you really want to think about it, if you were just to look at the number of people. It's very easy, just number-wise, to get complacent when things are going well and think, well, you know, it's really not that pressing that we evangelize. And I'm not just talking, I'm saying numbers. I'm not talking numbers because we know the, the value of souls. We all have a job to do in evangelism. Out, out back, there's going to be some, and I'm going to show you a picture of it. There's going to be some cards that make it really, again, the card is not the point of it. The card is a tool. Uh, it's going to advertise our podcast, make an easy way for people to get on that. Because podcast, guess what? It's not the goal either. The goal of the podcast is for people to listen to good spiritual things and guess what? To be a part, to become a servant of God, to be obedient to the gospel. But these are all tools to get us there that the, the, the excuse, I'm not very good at that, isn't really, doesn't hold water in this case because anybody can be good at giving a card out. It's the means to the end. The end is a salvation of people's souls, whether it's us that are here or people that don't know anything about the church. So there would be a business card size that looks something like this. It has a picture of the church building because everybody can recognize that because they drive by a lot. Very visible with service times, just some basic stuff. On the back, a place for you to write your name or other notes for somebody. Uh, it talks about our podcast. That little square thing, you've probably seen it. Some of you know, oh, yeah, that's a QR code. Some of you go, Q what? <laughs> 
if you take a picture of that with your phone and touch on the little thing that pops up, it takes you right to our website. And so someone can take a picture of that, and guess what's on there? An easy link to our podcast, information about the church, phone numbers for them to contact. And it's an easy way that somebody, maybe they don't listen to you now, but you know they may, like me, I've got business cards. If I wore this suit, I can pull it out, and I'll be reminded. There it is. I've got business. I, I put on a different suit, and I'll pull out a card, and it's some salesman that I hadn't thought of in a long time, but now I'm reminded of him. So, again, not the the end, but a means to the end. One more tool that we can evangelize because as soon as we quit evangelizing, we're just one generation from the norm not being 75 to 100% full, the norm can turn to 25 to 50% full. It takes energy to keep the perpetual motion machine going and we all have our part in service to others and in evangelism as well. Here was an interesting quote from a young person who's like, you know, y'all just need to organize them. So y'all need to do some stuff. Y'all, here's what, after about three or four months of when I said, go, go do this. Go find this person. Guess what he said? The more you're involved, the more you see what others are doing. Your eyes are opened and your eyes will be opened. So I encourage you, if you're not, do it. If you're doing it already, keep on doing it. God doesn't care what you can't do. He wants what you can do. For first, there's a willing mind. It is accepted to what one has, not according to what you don't have. Be like the early Christians. These that have turned the world upside down have come to Plainview, Texas too. That's what we want. Hope you've enjoyed the lesson, and more than enjoying it, I hope that you feel convicted to go do something different than you've done in the past. That's what we want. That's what God wants. He wants us to edify ourselves in love, and he wants us to do that by serving and evangelizing other people. If you need the assistance of the church this morning in some way, if you've been taught and you want to be baptized, we encourage you not to wait. We encourage you to do that now to begin your walk with Christ. If you would like prayers for strength, prayers for some sin in your life or something else that the church can support you with, we'd be glad to help you then as well. Please come while we stand and sing the invitation song.